What's up, brother? Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? I'm surprised you're alive after your fucking ordeal. Yeah, I know. Was it two sticks of vodka? Oh yeah, that was deadly. Oh no, I had oh no, I had a ton of wine and then, oh disaster. Jeez, man! I saw the video that George sent me. Yikes! Yeah, it was a bit unfortunate. It's all right, it's all right, it's all right. At least you're good to go. How was first week of class? Um, a bit confusing. Not gonna lie. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, like they they're trying to do the best they can, but like. It's just not as good as it is as it would be being in a class, you know? Of course, of course. You get to see the boys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then we're ready to roll. Kelvin, welcome back to another episode. Uh, Carl Trent is on the show today. This Family Cup Finals, which I believe start three days from now, two or three days from now. It is tomorrow. Tomorrow night. So Tomorrow night. Game one goes live. Uh, Dallas versus Tampa. Um, you know, obviously Dallas defeating Vegas and uh, Tampa defeating New York. Um, we'll start on the Dallas side. This Dallas was my prediction to make the finals, and I know a lot of people, you know, doubted that pick. But uh, here I am standing with Dallas in the final. But obviously my pick was uh, down the drain. It was lost to the Islanders in uh, game seven. Um, Mr. Carl Chuck. Since you're out from out, out in the West, uh, what do you think about Dallas making the final and what it means for Rick Bonus as head coach? Um, I think for Dallas, um, I mean, you have to give credit when credit is due. And if you're looking at Dallas, you know, on paper, they were heavily mismatched against Vegas. But the way their decor worked and was able to move the puck well to their forwards. Um, the way players like Jamie Benn, uh, Yoel Kibiranta, um, Dennis Gurianov, and of course Miro Heiskanen played, um, I think you know, like they outplayed uh, Vegas's top guys. They were able to, you know, contribute when it mattered most, and and also Anton Hudobin, who you know, if we're going to be honest now, you know, isn't you know he's a backup goalie in you know most scenarios. But the way he's been able to play and, quite frankly, stand on his head in a, a lot of situations uh, in this during this playoff run has been, you know, really quite impressive. And for Rick Bonas, like, you know, he went to the Cup Final in 2015 with um, Tampa Bay as an assistant with John Cooper. Um, I mean, he's he's got to deserve, he's got to be given massive praise for how he's, you know, worked with the team, and, uh, you know, been able to motivate them and put them in a position where they've been able to do this. And he's been, you know, a head coach in the NHL since, you know, starting in like the 1990s with the Ottawa Senators um, when they were a very young franchise. And, um, you know, for him to, you know, through all the ups and downs and, you know, being fired or, you know, having to be an assistant coach and now getting the opportunity um, midseason here with Dallas, it's uh it's really good to see him, you know, succeed and take this team to the finals. No, without a shadow of a doubt, um, you know, he go against one of his former uh, uh, men uh, in uh, top of my head uh, in Tampa's head coach, John Cooper. John Cooper. So, if say hypothetically, bonus goes and wins the cup, right? Who looks better? Does the Stars organization look better by giving him the opportunity, or do the Stars 
uh, front uh, top three of Ben, Sagan, and uh, you can even add in them there. Uh, who do you think would look better in that situation? I, I have to say, and like in that situation, the way you know up, you know up to this point, the way the playoffs have played out, I think more praise should be put on uh, Rick Bonas versus uh, Dallas's top guys. Obviously, like they've stepped up and they are the ones that you know actually played the game, but the preparation that goes into it and the way like Jamie Ben talked about it, um, it was after Game Five or Game six, Game Four, or Game Five. Um, how like Rick Rick Bonas has the ability and you know he's he's able to motivate them and get them ready for the games and like that that's a special quality and you know a lot of times I think the head coach um, gets you know is blamed or you know looked as unfavorably and yeah. but I think in this case for sure Rick Bonas has done an amazing job with what he's been able to do with the team. No, no, I completely agree. Um, you know, obviously, Sagan's on the verge of his second Stanley Cup, while the likes of Corey Perry and Joe Pavelski on the uh, verge of their first. Uh, who do you think the more uh, the pressure's on more? You know, guys like Pavelski and Perry, who are better and are expected to lead the team, or a guy like Sagan, who, you know, he's, he asked Dallas, gave him a big money, and I was kind of expected to perform. I mean, for Perry, he... Uh he won a cup in 2007 with Anaheim. So he, he's on in kind of in the same boat as Sagan, but for someone like Joe Pavelski who signed, you know, I know it was only three years, but seven mil per, uh, like that's a big contract. And like they got him to come in and perform in the playoffs. Obviously you want your big gun in uh, Tyler Sagan. And he hasn't like, he hasn't scored since the second round. So I, I think it is a bit of a toss up, but I think for the stars, I think you want and you hope and need it to be Sagan to be the one that steps up and have, you know, have more pressure on him, seeing as he is now the guy. This yeah. is, you know, Jamie Bend has, you know, over the last two years, kind of, even though he's still the captain, he's, he's kind of taken a bit of a step back. And I think um, a player like Tyler Sagan is like the spotlight's on him at this point. Uh, flipping ends to the east side now, you know, Tampa had those rough couple of years, you know, making it. To the finals and whatnot, or not even making it to the playoffs and having rough go. Um, do you think what's the locker room atmosphere? Do you think, in your opinion, heading into game one tomorrow night? Heading into game one, I have to think, even without Stamkos, that Tampa has to be extremely confident. I think they have to, you know, look to see where they've come, where they've come from, um, the teams they've beaten, and how they've beaten those. Uh, like for the Islanders, for example. Um, they played a really good structured defensive game and Tampa was able to break through that. Um, and they were able to show that, you know, just cause they have all these high scoring guys, they have the ability to win a two, one game in overtime or the, you know, the ability to grind it out. And so I think that's part of what's different um, with this team than the one that went in 2015 and lost to Chicago is that they have some more experience now and they have, you know, some of the grittier players, Maroon, Coleman, Barclay Goodrow, who, you know, fits the way playoff hockey is played. Um, so I think, I would think that Tampa and John Cooper should be feeling very confident going into game one of our night. No, agree, agree. Um, you know, both tending matchup has been big. Uh, both tend having an unreal series uh, prior in, uh, heading into this one. 
Uh, who has the upper hand in the goaltending battle, in your opinion? It, it has to be Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, he's been... He doesn't necessarily had to be tested as much as Anton Hudobin up to this point. Um, but uh, I think, like, I think as well, you know, Monday he's going to be named, I would expect he would be named the uh, Vesna Trophy winner. And he, like, the way he's played in the playoffs, he's been able to make the big saves when he needs the most. And he's got a, a calming presence to him, I, I feel as though when he's on the ice and he's playing well. And as we've seen in the playoffs, he's got like a 931 save percentage. He's, he's been the guy. He's been their, their backbone, you know, in net. And so I have to say, as good as Anton Hudobin has played, um, Vasilevsky's, you know, he's been to the cup final as a backup in 2015. He's been to a conference final in 2018. Um, I, I feel as though that Vasilevsky is ready for this moment. In this situation, right, you know, we have two teams that have great star power up front. You know, you look at uh, Tampa's lineup of, you know, Stamkos, uh, Kucherov, and then on the flip side, you have Ben and Sagan. Um, which which duo do you fear more than the other team? Like, hypothetically speaking, right, honest, do you fear that duo can do more damage than the duo can? Or are you riding high on Ben and Sagan? I'm running with Tampa's guys. I'm running with the Kucherov, Point, Palat, TJ combo. I think, like, I I trust they've been more consistent in the playoffs this year. Um, they've been able to show it more recently, in even going back to the regular season, than uh, the Sagan-Ben combo. And... I, I feel as though like they've been obviously like Ben has, or Sagan has been to a cup final and won with Boston. He was a rookie. These guys with Tampa, they're big guns, you know, outside of point who wasn't on that 2015 team. They've been here before they've been on deep runs. They know what it takes. I think that they're ready and they're going to, you know, they've got the one, two guys in playoff scoring and Kucherov and point with 26 and 25 points respectively. So I think it's I think it's their time. The young guys that haven't played in this moment, right? Every every game was a different challenge, right? You know, your first playoff game, you know, your first playoff shot, you know, your first playoff hit. Right now it's now it's game one of the Tony Cup finals. Which team with the younger players has the most nerves? Or if in this situation, which team can the nerves better? I I mean when you look when you're looking at young guys, the two that really stick out for Tampa are Point and uh, Sergachev, and they are yeah, obviously they're massive contributors, but they're surrounded by players who, you know, who are you know still relatively young, but have you know gone on deep runs or, um, you know, played in big games before. Um, whereas I feel as though Dallas is. Dallas's, you know, young guys, when you're looking at a Heiskanen or a Gurianov or, you know, even Yoel Kiviranta, apparently, um, they are, they aren't necessarily surrounded by that same type of experience. So I f- am more leaning towards um, they, the moment will hit them harder. Dallas's guys will be hit harder by the fact that, oh my God, I'm in a Stanley Cup final. So 
I feel the insulation and the experience that the rest of the Tampa roster has will put their young players in a better position to succeed than Dallas's. Dallas's will be hit. And like, especially like Sergachev isn't on their top pairing, obviously points on their top line right now with Stamkos out, but you know, Heiskanen is going to be playing 24 to 28 minutes a game before overtime. That's a lot for a young player in their second season. So, and now they're in the cup final. So I'm, I think it's going to be the effect. Now, of course, that could also be Heiskanen steps up massive, but I think the moment will hit the play, the Dallas's, you know, young guys, rookies, you know, whatever harder than it would Tampa's. No, agree. Right. Um, so game one happens, right. Or tomorrow night game one. Um, who do you have? Actually, no, before I, before I even ask you, who do you have game uh, taking game one? Whoever wins the series, right? Who is under more hot seat when they lose? Tampa or Dallas? In terms of in terms of management, staff, and players, which has more to lose? Tampa. Tampa has considerably more to lose. I feel as though, uh, you know, compared to Dallas, Tampa, you know, their cap situation is really going to come to a crunch here uh, this this off season. Um, Sergeyev needs a new deal, um, and Vasilevsky's new deal, where he goes from making four and a half or three and a half to nine and a half million dollars, it's this is Tampa's year. This has to be Tampa's year. They're gonna lose some pieces um, after this year, just because of the cap situation and the cap be- being flat next year. Um, whereas I feel like Dallas. Dallas has some wiggle room. They've got, I think, $15 million right now in cap space for next year. That's, you know, with players coming off the books and needing to be re-signed still. But Tampa doesn't have that same kind of wiggle room. Dallas has the ability to, you know, come back and bring back fairly close to, if not the same team next year. Whereas I think Tampa will look, you know, definitely different next year. So this is an all-in year for Tampa. Not to say they won't like you know be missing the playoffs next year. They won't be, but they're they're not going to have the same hype, the same aspirations, or the same you know maybe confidence level um, going into this series as they would next year. So I think that the you know pressure in terms of needing to win it this year is definitely on Tampa Bay. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, speaking of you know leaving right. But the free agency window opens, right? Which Tampa players, if they do end up losing this year, would you will you think be the first ones to kind of head out when you look at that roster of guys who are able to hit the market? You know, we saw Petrangelo today, or no, not, yeah, Petrangelo today from St. Louis. His talks broke down. Um, he looks like he's the block. Which Tampa player do you think is in that kind of shadow of Petrangelo in terms of leaving the organization? Um. A young guy like Sergachev, who's going to be an RFA, if I'm not mistaken, um, will obviously be re-signed. You know, he's kind of the future there on their back end. Um, yeah, other uh, UFAs that they have um, up front, it's, you know, their big UFA up front is Patrick Maroon. Um, but an RFA is Anthony Sorelli, and he's one that I wonder they might get offer sheeted on and they might get put in a position that they might just have to bite the bullet and risk losing him 
um, or even be put in a situation where someone like a Tyler Johnson or a Yanni Gord may have to be moved in order to accommodate a Anthony Sorelli um, extension. So I, I don't know if there's necessarily a player they will lose because of unrestricted free agency and them just simply moving on like a Petrangelo, whereas it's going to be a they have to move someone because of Sorelli or a Sergachev extension that really puts them in a bind. Now, on the back end, Kevin Shattenkirk has been awesome. He's been amazing for them this year, both in the regular season and in the playoffs. And he's going to be a UFA, and he will not be able to be brought back. He's, you know, after he's basically rejuvenated his career this year on his one-year deal in Tampa. And so he'll be one, a big, you know, a decent name, on decent-sized name on the market, right-handed defenseman. He'll be 31 years old. He'll be able to secure uh, three, maybe even four-year deal. Um, and that's something that Tampa just won't be able to give him. So with these players coming out, right, if if you're a weaker team, right, team looking to rebound, you which couple of guys do you kind of look at from, you know, uh, Tampa's roster do you want to approach more, right? You know, obviously, talking about the RFAs and the UFAs and stuff like that. Now, which guys do you think would be able to take a pick in order to kind of keep the same roster around? for Tampa Bay to keep the same roster around? Yeah. Guys, like, there's been guys, if they can pay bets, you know, to kind of keep the ro- the roster and the mojo together and, you know, kind of get that, that, that re-shot at going again. If they hypothetically do lose, who, who would you think is more inclined to take a pay cut? Um, the big-name players, whichever way you look at it. I, I think... Um... Up front, Pat Maroon, he took a one-year deal in this like this year for like 900K or something like that. He would be one that I think, you know, would be willing to come back again for cheap. He's won a cup with St. Louis. Um, he'd be one that I think would be willing to come back cheap. Um, I just don't see like a Kevin Schattenkirk. I think he's gone, you know. He, he played great. He got a chance to, yeah, rejuvenate his career, but he's going to go make more money now. And on the flip... Dallas' side, which guys do you think on Dallas's end are more inclined to leave if they don't win the Um, For uh, UFAs, I think Corey Perry, I don't know if he'll be back. I think he's going to do either something with Dallas or with another team. Like a one-year, fairly cheap, you know, so he can try to go and win another cup somewhere. So he might be one that might be willing to come back again or just might move on. Um, so he's, you know, kind of in both categories there. Um, they also have like a Rupe Hintz and a Dennis Gurianov who, you know, are important players for them and they're RFAs and they're again, yeah, they have $15 million in cap space, but you know, those players will probably take shorter term deals on less money. Um, so that, you know, they can add someone in free agency, not, you know, not a Petrangelo, but someone, you know, that could be you know, can slide in nicely on that second or third line that can just give them that one extra little bit of depth. Um, but in net, uh, Anton Hudobin, who's been their rock this postseason, um, he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, and he's one that I think will be heavily pursued by many teams looking for either a good backup or a 1B goalie. So he might be one that they just won't be able to be comfortable or be able to afford to keep. So he might be a casualty 
um, this offseason for Dallas. Now, a, a, a kind of a, a weird question to ask, right? Tyler Sagan, right? Say he does, say he does win his second cup, right? He goes into the season, you know, he looks at his offers because Tyler Sagan, for the stud of a player that he is, obviously has a lot of offers. Do you think Tyler Sagan would ever possibly look at the chance of maybe leaving Dallas, turning to Boston if Boston does offer him something? Right, because Boston's in, in there. Boston is getting older, right? They're starting to lose guys like Chara. You know, Marshan's kind of hitting that that age where you know he's. You don't know how much he still has a lot left in the tank, but it's not obviously what he was at 25, 24. I think T Sakes could return to Boston, or even even in a hypothetical area in a far uh, far fetched idea that he maybe comes to Toronto. I think, I looking at Tyler Sagan, I feel as though he is quite comfortable um, in Dallas. Uh, I think that you know he's kind of settled down there. I know he's you know he's twenty eight, but I feel as though he's you know in a place that he's you know comfortable staying in Dallas long term, and that he wouldn't be looking um, to move or anything like that. I feel like he's comfortable where he is. He's got, you know, he's got a bunch of money. Um, And I think he likes where the team is at and with how the management has set up the team. You know, they've got young players. Uh, John Klingberg's only 28, only 28. Um, Miro Heiskanen is 21. Like, they have some, you know, good young pieces that they, this won't be the only year that they'll be able to make a deep run. They'll, you know, the next couple of years, they'll still be good and they'll still be able to go on deep runs. So I think he's comfortable staying in Dallas. Now, we flipped the switch to another big man in Dallas's rotation, right? Jamie Benn. You know, we talked about Jamie Benn. He's a great leader. He's a, solid, he's a solid two-way forward, in my opinion. I think he plays defensively very well. Do you think he would take a cut to bring another guy? Or do you think take a little bit more I mean, he, Jamie Ben is, you know, he, he stuck around. He chose to stick around in Dallas. He chose, you know, he chose, he's their captain. He's their guy. I know they have Sagan, but, you know, in an ideal world, he's their guy. He's kind of the face of the franchise. You know, he's you shown, think- lo- he's shown loyalty to them. Sorry, what was that? You think, you think he's the face of the franchise over Sagan as of right now? I think I, I would imagine that they would want him to be, seeing as he's their captain and he's been with them, you know, obviously longer than Sagan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, you can bring guys in like a Sagan, like they did, um, and, you know, sign them to, you know, big money deals or, you know, kind of anoint them. But I feel as though Jamie Ben has, you know, a, the kind of presence in Dallas that, you know, that one of a franchise player would have. That, you know, they view him, even though, you know, he put up, you know, 41 points this year, only 41 points this year, and he makes nine and a half million dollars. But he's, he's their guy. He's Dallas's, you know, yeah, he's their guy. And I think that, you know, he looks at where he is at his, in his career. He's 31 years old. He's got, you know, some time, some years left on his contract. He likes where he is. And I think they he's just going to basically tell the Dallas management that, you know, you have to, you're building around me and Sagan. 
up front and, you know, work with that. So you're basically saying that that Ben is untouchable in this situation. In this instance, per se, that Sagan Sagan and Ben are likely pieces that Dallas is going to keep and everybody else is and that in a sense that this is kind of their core heading into the future. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'd say. I would now, I wouldn't, I called him their franchise player. And in the same breath, I, I don't know. He's probably untouchable. Probably. I think his, his whole loyalty and his better leadership is kind of, you know, that neutralizing factor in the locker room. You know, Sagan's the more outgoing, you know, fun, you know, young guy. And I think mm-hmm. that, that, totally. that calm guy, you know what I mean? So I think they have mm-hmm. the best of both worlds. Now, if you're Dallas, right, and you say you, you go and lose the playoffs, right, you know, you don't bring home a cop, you know, Rick Bonus gets another deal, gets another shot. Who do you kind of target in free agency if you're Dallas? I think because I, I like I like your defense could get better. It's good, but it could get better. Yeah, I like I like their decor. I I don't I mean like Anton Lindell, you know, five point eight, you know, that's whatever. It's okay. He's a top four guy, that's life. Um you have Klingberg and and Heiskanen, which is great. I mean you could add like a four, a number four defenseman, but you know, I would look to add somewhere in your middle six just a little more scoring punch i don't know if that's like a craig smith out of nashville if that's a um uh, mikhail granland also from nashville um and anthony duclair uh is something that you know you can add in a little more scoring probably someone that could you know maybe not a duclair now that i think about it um, but someone who can, you know, play both ends of the rink, but contri- can contribute both by scoring goals and by just being a good facilitator. They have evidently Denis Gurianov who can score. Um, and then you still have Pavelski, Ben, Sagan, and Radulov who can all score. So maybe it's more of a facilitator, someone who you can, you know, bring in to help you control the puck more or longer, or, you know, add to your second power play. unit. that's probably something that I would look at adding. Fair enough. Uh, so, as we start, as I start asking about these predictions, right? Which team now do you think has the most momentum heading into the series? Now that we've seen, uh, you know, Tampa play New York and uh, Dallas play Vegas, which team is riding more momentum? That's a good one. Um, I I want to believe uh, that the answer is Tampa, um, but. I th- in my opinion, I think you know, Tampa. Yeah, I think Tampa is just in a good, comfortable place of where they are. They're excited and they're confident. I think probably riding a higher high, I guess you could say, would be Dallas. They, you know, I I will fully admit I picked Vegas to win. Um, and you know, I think that you know, uh, they probably saw how. People pegged them, you know, a lot of people pegged them as underdogs against Vegas and seeing how they came out of that series in five games, you know, they're probably looking at themselves and saying, you know, we can beat Vegas. We can, you know, we can be the underdog and still come out on top. They're probably, you know, yeah, riding a pretty good high right now. And, you know, look at Tampa and say, if we can beat Vegas, we're, you know, we're the best in the West. We can beat anybody. So I would definitely, yeah, actually, I'd probably say that 
the more momentum is probably on um, Dallas's side, strictly of how they just kind of dismantled Vegas and were just able to, you know, methodically, you know, take their chances and capitalize when they needed to. And doing that against a, a team as good as Vegas, you should be riding high after that. I completely agree with you. The only I don't agree with Tampa riding highs because I think is that that series against New York kind of messed them up in a sense where they should have finished uh, the series off earlier and they didn't, but at the end of the day, they got the job done. So I think, I think in that, and I think Tampa kind of like scared themselves a bit by like not finishing the series early and forcing a game six. So that's the only reason I believe that Dallas is riding a better high. I no, You know what? I totally agree. Look at Vegas. Vegas scored 10 goals in their last eight games or 10 goals with a goalie. There were two empty netters there. So if you want to count it, 12 goals in their last eight games. Thatcher Demko broke the Vegas Golden Knights. He broke them by himself, by force, by winning games five and six and forcing a game seven. He, that just totally blew Vegas's confidence. And I, again, like I want to believe that that hasn't happened to Tampa Bay. But, I mean, like, look at – now, of course, that was more of a goaltending performance versus a, you know, the system that the Islanders play, you know, is just, you know, a really good defensive, you know, system that, you know, you can limit types of, you know, A-quality chances. Um, but, yeah, it, it would be something that, you know, to look out for to see if, you know, they have a bit of, you know, they're, they're missing some confidence or, you know, maybe everything they're looking for the perfect play instead of just the play that can work. So, with that being said, in breath, do you think Tampa's going to play game one a bit more just because they think you know, are they going to kind of play that maybe a little conservative and try to sell, uh, settle everybody in and kind of focus on this whole seven-game series type of mentality? I would say that Tampa Bay will probably come out in game one like the way that they they tried to play the Islanders, they tried to play the Islanders by, you know, obviously beating them all over the ice, but you know, get lots of shots to the net, you know, try to funnel pucks in, and you know, obviously, like when you look at you know the shot clock and you know the last couple of games between the Islanders and uh, Tampa, the Islanders or the Lightning, sorry, um, uh, heavily outshot them, and this the shot clock was heavily tilted in their favor. So I would think, um, seeing as Dallas plays a you know a bit differently than the last two teams that Tampa has played in the playoffs, um, that they would try to just I guess the old cliche get pucks on net. That's I'm going to assume that that's going to be their style, and try to test Anton Hudobin as much as they can. All right, all right. So we are heading down to the stretch. Game one prediction, right? I'm giving you a hundred dollars. Who's your game one bet and what? My game one bet is going to be on Tampa. I'm going to bet on Tampa for game one. I think that if Dallas has any chance in this series, um, obviously they need to win. Uh, winning game one would be huge, but I think it's going to, you know, Tampa's going to come out guns ablaze and, you know, and try to, you know, just 
crush Dallas. I think that's what they're going to try and do. And if you're Tampa Bay or if you're um, Dallas, you're just kind of going to need to try and weather the storm. That's what at least the first period is going to be like, I would imagine. Um, but I think in game one, Dallas is going to need some time to adjust and figure out what they need to do. And that's going to be enough for Tampa to take game one. Now, a thousand dollars. Who's winning? I I also have Tampa winning the cup. I just and looking looking at their roster. Now, before you continue, how many games? Five games. Wow! I need to hear this. This is a good one. Okay. Um. So for uh, I just think like, you look on paper and you see you know how well you know uh how much better Tampa is on paper compared to Dallas. Um, and you know, you look in net, the best, the best goalie belongs to Tampa on the back end. The best defenseman belongs to, um, Tampa. If you look, you know, like your best, the best forward, it belongs to Tampa. It's either Kucherov or point. So I think it like, you know, over the course of the series, it's just going to be after Tampa wearing down Dallas and with shots coming from everywhere and being able to capitalize on the power play and, you know, like even if Stamkos, Stamkos could come back. He's not, he hasn't ruled out yet. So I just think that Tampa should, based on, you know, how they've been playing and on paper, that they should just be wearing down Dallas and that D- Dallas, you know, they've had a great run, but Anton Hudobin is not, you know, a, a number one goalie in the NHL. And they don't have that same type of defensive system that a team like the Islanders did. Um, or a team like Columbus did that, you know, were able to frustrate Tampa Bay at times. And even still, Tampa was able to push through. So I just look at, you know, the way that the Lightning play, and it doesn't really match up well for the Dallas Stars. Fair enough. So you have Tampa in five, Tampa yep. one. Yeah. So that sets Stamkos and the, Bo- and the Bolts to their first Stanley Cup since Le Cavalier and San Luis. Yeah, that sends Dallas into the offseason with uh, Rick Bonus and possibly another try a deal and then a bunch of free agents. Now, as we shift focus into the draft, right? Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, in your case, Dallas making any trades at the draft to get younger players? I think Dallas is going to look at, um, you know, where they are as um, a franchise. And they they would make more moves come free agency, come you know October 9th, when free agency is going to open. Um, I think that you know they're you know their their guys are in their prime. They need to go and win now. And with Heiskanen having one year left on his super cheap rookie deal, I think they're going to look at it and say, you know what, let's go try to get someone you know a difference maker in free agency. Um, maybe it's a little different than what I, I predicted that they would do, but I think that they could think about that if they lose. Um, and um, yeah, basically that they're going to, the, I don't think the draft is the spot for them to make moves. I think free agency, once that opens up, is going to be their place to make moves. Fair enough. I personally think Dallas will win the cup. I just think it's Dallas here. I just think the rotation's good. The players are rolling well. You know, they've got a coach that they believe or an interim coach that they believe in. Um, you know, the pieces have kind of fallen. You know, they've shown, they've battled through adversity. Um, 
So I think it's Dallas's year, and I think it's Dallas in seven. I think it comes down to game seven. In all, um, I don't see any blowouts. I see close games. You know, two one, three two, four three, five four, kind of games where it either be scoring or really low scoring, but they're all within a goal. That's what I see. You know, I if it came down to game seven, I mean, I'm not gonna complain. Like. That's those are the two words everyone in sports loves to hear is game seven finals. So, Whether yeah. NBA, MLB, NHL, right? It's mm-hmm. what you live for. So I think this, I think this is a game seven type series. You know, you got two heavyweights, teams with great duels and great bet and great uh, second and third lines. I don't see why not. I think if Dallas were to win the cup, it would be in seven. I think they they would need to go the distance, and I and I think so too. So I think we're both on the same page. Here. I like your bold prediction. You always like your bold predictions on the show, which I do like. Yeah. Um, other than that, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to discuss after the series is over and see how well we fare in our predictions. Yeah, I mean, like my whole Vegas prediction that I made the whole you know the whole year when you know didn't pan out as well as we could have but um yeah no i think um i am excited to see how this goes this is i'm really excited i'm excited for the draft too i'm excited what happens the whole aftermath oh the draft oh i can't wait i'm so excited for the draft like leaves jersey on deck to whoever they draft because they got the first round pick that i was hoping they would get so yeah myself whoever they draft first round is i'm going to lids at the penn center the next day and getting that name on the back of the blank jersey <laughs> perfect it's I don't know. It's just one of those. It's just one of those things that I I just said fuck it, and now I kind of have to stick to my word. Ladies, yep. Carl Chanta, thank you for coming on the show as always. Of course. Uh, the next episode we will do will probably be with Carl and Giorgio. Will be the NHL draft and what happened in the off season. Carl, thanks again. Uh, any any final words you like to say? Give a nice little sign off. Um. I really hope the Ottawa Senators draft Lucas Raymond at number five. That's my that's my one draft want. That's your wish? Yes, that is my one wish. All right, all right. Carl, thank you for coming on the show, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you guys next time. Uh, uh, uh. Hey, true, bet that up for the track. You know, take it to the top, and that's the truth. Truth hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you broke, but you're still pimping, drink.